After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, everyone. JJ Cooper, Josh North, Kyle Glazer joining you on another Baseball America Prospect Podcast. And we're talking Futures Games rosters today because we have the Futures Games rosters as we get basically inundated here with a uh, Florida, the Florida style thunderstorms that we're getting here every day in North Carolina. Uh, before we do that, we do want to thank you. A lot of people have subscribed over the last month between the Top 100 updates and the July 2 preview and many other things. We have the midseason Top 10 prospects list coming up for every team, all 30 organizations. So it's a great time to subscribe. Go to BaseballAmerica.com. Right at the top of the page, it says Join Now. gives you all the options. So as we say that, we again, thank you for those who subscribe. So Kyle, as we dive in, we're not going to go through every player on this roster. If you want that, go to BaseballAmerica.com. We've done that on there. But I do kind of want to ask you, and I'm going to ask you as well, Josh, so you can be prepping. So, Kyle, who are a couple of players that you are very excited to see in D.C. next Saturday, next Sunday? Fernando Tatis is a big one. We already have him as one of our top five prospects in baseball. With some graduations, you know, he's going to be neck and neck up here uh, near number uh, He's number, number two, two now. He's number two now. And so I think with, with Fernando Tatis, we've seen him take such huge jumps each and every year. This will be his opportunity to really shine on a big stage, national TV. And, uh, you know, he's got the talent to really kind of take over the game offensively and defensively. I'd be very curious to see how, how he performs uh, with that spotlight. So, Josh, along you, Lunds, who are you looking forward to seeing? I mean, it's really clear-cut for me. It's Jesus Lazardo, and then the gap is really large. Um, I want to see him. He's been the biggest jumper, I believe, uh, in our oh, top yeah. 100 by a lot this year. Although uh, Jesus Soto, basically, the, I mean, Juan, Juan Soto. Juan Soto's I mean, jump, he, he basically. Like Jesus. Juan Soto jumped really high. The only problem is, is that you hit the ceiling of the top. He got to number two from 53, I believe, in the uh, in the preseason. So but now he's not even a prospect anymore. Yeah, I know. We we say he's goodbye, an old man. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's it's Jesus Lazardo. The guy has, uh, by a lot of accounts, maybe two seven pitches, two sevens and two or seven and two sixes. You know, I've heard an eight fastball from the left side. The point is, he's really good, and he is in Double A already after you know very little professional experience before this year. Uh, he jumped from. I think he skipped over low A entirely. Right. It basically, he's been on a very accelerated yeah. pace since he came back from Tommy Johnson. And he's not really showed much uh, trouble with these levels. Not one Soto levels of destroying. Right, right. Cause but human no levels one, of yeah, destroying. No one can. But, uh, <laughs> I will say, by the way, former Nats prospect going back to pitch at Nationals yeah. Park. You know, and that's one of those kind of, when people talk about, oh, who won, what trade, or whatnot. The point of most trades is each team wins. They each get something they need. Obviously, Jesus Lazardo has been absolutely fantastic. But you look what Sean Doolittle has done for the Nationals. They're not sorry they made that trade. So I think yet be- I will say if they don't do anything in the postseason and they tire Sean Doolittle era, they may down the road be regretting. yes. That's true. I don't know if that I don't agree, know if I agree with that. I mean, it's two relievers they got for that, and they haven't gotten your postseason. You haven't gotten a pennant out of it. 
you haven't gotten. They did get a pennant out of it. Did they get? A they got a last year pennant out of it. I'm thinking a big pennant. But yes, but they got a. They 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 are flying a flag that says you're 2017 NL East champs. Let me put it this I way: mean, they feel a lot better about this one than the Yankees trade for Sonny Gray. Yes. Yes, I would <laughs> Although agree. with Sonny Gray, they did get the big pennant. Or they didn't get they got the, the no, they got one say, game from it. I always did. Yeah, I was gonna say they don't have a they don't have a better flag from no, that. No, they have depends on the flag maker, but they have a flag <laughs> nonetheless. So for me, I mean there's a lot of players that are gonna be fascinating to watch at this. Um, you know, I to the both that you brought up are, are both really good ones. I do feel like that there's a chance that this is going to be the Joe Adele show. And the reason I say that is is that uh, Adele is already a premium prospect. He's again another rocket uh, climb up the top hundred this year for us. The Angels' top prospect. But the other thing about it is, is that Joe Adele, tools-wise, again the futures game is a game where tools come to the for- forefront. Last year, Ronald Acuna, it wasn't just that Ronald Acuna could really hit. It wasn't just that he had power. But you got to see the speed. You got to see the throwing arm last year at, uh, in Miami at the futures game. Joe Adele has tools where there's a variety of things that he could show in a one-game showcase, and, and I'm going to be fascinated to see it. I, I've been fortunate enough to see Adele play on multiple occasions in the past, but there's never I, – I, I, I'm greedy. I, I want to see him again. And to kind of take it around now, round robin, Josh, you're on the, the, the hook first time this time. What about a lesser-known prospect? I mean, again, we just talked about Luzardo's top 100, Fatis is number two, uh, Adele is a top 25 prospect. I think I know one that you, because you've, you've been a, uh, a fan of a certain reliever on this list. You know, that's where I was going to go, and I'll get there in a minute. But I am also a fan of Miguel Amaya. Oh, yeah. um, I want to see how far he's come. It looks like he's, his walk rate has increased by something on the order of 5% this year. And at, with it, his power and you know, offensive skill set has been unlocked. And he's quickly moved way up the ranks uh, of the Cubs prospects. And if you want to find out how far up the ranks of the Cubs prospects, check out BaseballAmerica.com next week for our updated top tens of every organization. Well, we won't have them all up next week, but we will start. They're starting next week. That was still a very good, uh, a fine plug there, Josh. But the one you were going to was C.D. Pelham of of, uh, Down East and the Rangers organization. And I did get to see him for all of, I think, four pitches in the Carolina League All-Star game. if If you were listening at home... Going into the Carolina League All-Star game, more than anything, what you were looking forward to seeing, you kept saying, was you wanted to see Pelham. And then during the game, I'm at the Saturday game, Josh at the Carolina League game, we're texting, and he's like, Pelham had pitched, Pelham had pitched. Oh, good. Well, no, there were two guys I wanted to see pitch. I want to see him and Will Crow. And I was thinking, in a Saturday League or a Carolina League All-Star game, I'm going to miss the two guys I came to see. And then uh, Joe Arell got Pelham in for the last out because he was determined to get everybody else in. And I think Crow was hurt. Uh, but I didn't know it at the time. But he was, you know, upper 90s, exactly what I expected. I, I wanted to see triple digits, but he didn't throw the slider that which I know the, he has. But he, which he which is apparently pitches. a slider of death, too. So uh, yeah, I mean, he's, apologies to Chris Davinsky. I've heard that he's um, the best athlete in that organization, which is saying something. Um, and he looks at too. He looks like and by the he way, he's, like I mean, we're talking about, well, you know, so we're talking about a lefty with a, a upper 90s fastball and a really good slider. Yeah. That's a pretty good relief piece down the road. Yes, it's a really nice relief piece. And, you know, again, he's got the athleticism to hopefully command that fastball uh, and that slider in the near future. So that was that's one guy I want to see. I think there's a, a number of guys I want to see on this roster. Who, oh, we'll, go, we'll who, keep going around. Who 
might throw a hundred. Is what right. I was getting at. We'll, we'll get we'll get back to that in a minute. So, but Kyle, what about sleeper guy for you? You know, one guy that intrigues me a little bit is Sean Anderson with the Giants. He came over in last year's Eduardo Nunez deal, and he's been nothing but really great, frankly, since joining uh, the Giants organization. It was pretty good uh, in a little bit of uh, time at San Jose last year. Moved up to Richmond this year, and it is a pitcher's park. But you see, you know, 91 innings, 91 strikeouts, 21 walks. This is someone with pedigree. He was a third-round pick. It's not like he came out of nowhere. So you have a pedigree pitcher who was traded for a big leaguer and now is performing up to double A. I think this is one of those guys that, you know, might not, you know, he's not going to be the face of an organization's rebuild or anything like that. But before you know it, he might end up in a big league rotation. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he can perform against, you know, the best of the best prospects in baseball. I'm going to cheat a little. I'm going to go to two guys, but both of whom I would argue because if you came into the season and you said, hey, I have a crystal ball, I'm an, I'm, I've fast-forwarded, which if you fast-forwarded to the Day of the Future Games rosters announced with your crystal ball, your time machine or whatever, that would probably be a poor use of your uh, really cool uh, technology. Or you but work it, here. Yeah, or you work here and you're like, yeah, you would actually, we, uh, Arizona Fall League roster announcement day, Josh would be like, I got to see it. I got to yes. see it. <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but if you just said that Buddy Reed or Nate Lowe were going to be in the Futures game, in both cases, you just said, no, there's no chance. And especially, I mean, Buddy Reed has quite a pedigree. He was a, you know, he was a prominent player at Florida. He was a second-round pick. Second-round pick. All that said, and and on the flip side of that, Nate Lowe was a 13th-round pick out of Mississippi State. I mean, not, you know, did not have that kind of pedigree. But with Buddy Reed, Buddy Reed had never really hit coming into this year. There was athleticism. There were tools. There was defense in the outfield, in center field. But you got to hit to make the Futures game. And to Buddy Reed's eternal credit, he has reworked most everything to turn himself into a guy who's been really good in high class A this year. You know, uh, you can check out BaseballAmerica.com. I was out in California League and, and did a story on Buddy Reed. And you talk about how he just kind of redid everything. I mean, he redid everything. He got crouched down his stance. He chokes up even without two strikes and then chokes up more with two strikes. It's very much as, hey, get the bad head to the ball, in part because of those tools. He's so fast, and he's a strong guy. He doesn't need to have a giant leg kick, be upright, try and hit the ball a mile. Just put the ball in play, and good things are going to happen. And he started to do that just short, quick, get the barrel to the ball, and use your speed. And you're starting to see more confidence. You're starting to see more barrel contact. You're starting to see him drive it. And again, it kind of goes back to that eternal debate of how much of hitting is natural versus, well, if you take natural athleticism and fix, you know, some of the swing things, you can unlock something. And to the credit of the Padres organization and Buddy Reed himself, they found what works for him. And, and low, now, I, is one thing is fascinating is, is that the lows are having a great year. The lows and the lows. The lows and the lows. So you have in the Rays organization, you have first baseman Nate Lowe, now Futures Gamer, who started the year in high A, Got promoted to Double A, hitting 350 with power. Again, Nate Lowe is a is a first baseman, so he's going to need to do a lot to keep. He's got to keep hitting, but he's doing it. To but his he's credit. doing it so far. His brother, who was drafted the same year, their first rounder, Josh Lowe, having a solid season at High A. Although to be honest, Nate is having the better season. Nate's also significantly older. And then L O W E. Not on the Futures Game roster, but we also have Brandon Lau, who has had 
the most monster June. I mean, he really had to hate the June ended because nine homers in 25 games in AAA, 17 home runs already for the season as a second baseman left fielder. It's a great, you know, again, but to, for Nate Lowe's credit, Nate was a guy who never really hit for much power at uh, Mississippi State, did hit for power the for his freshman year when he was at Mercer, did hit for some power in junior college in between, but that was really the question. He's still kind of more hit over power, but we're seeing legit power in there as well now, enough to where you say this guy has a plausible big league future. Again, you, you never know. I mean, there, there are players in this game. I love Balbino Fuenmayor. Balbino Fuenmayor, the Futures game, was kind of a, a highlight of Balbino Fuenmayor's minor league career. But that's okay. He had that highlight in a big league stadium, you know, a great BP, uh, you know, good game. We don't know of Nate Lowe. This may be, you know, but at the same time, he is doing things to where you have to keep paying attention and you have to keep looking forward. Now, Josh, you, you already, uh, you know, kind of gave us a little foreshadowing on this. But the other thing that we always see at the Futures game is guys who can throw hard. So, you know, and usually, especially with the starters, you'll see a tick or two better than you normally do because, again, going way, 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 way back, but there was the year that Homer Bailey, who had a little bit of a blister on his finger, just sat there throwing fastballs. I think he threw 31 straight fastballs because it's the Futures game, and so why not? Um, but who is your potential Let's say the 98-mile-an-hour club and then the 100-mile-an-hour club. I'll just, <clears throat> I'll just go through guys who I think can hit 100. Um, Aniel De Los Santos with the Phillies. I mm -hmm. think can probably do it in a short stint. Jorge Guzman can do it in his sleep. <laughs> Jorge Guzman can do it, and it's like, oh, I only hit 100. Jorge Disappointing. Guzman hits 100 shooting a paper ball into a, a wastebasket. Yeah. Uh, Johan Lopez might be able to. I've uh, seen you know, at least 95 to 97, so mm -hmm. maybe he amps up. Um, on the American side, Dylan Cease could. I've seen 100 from Dylan. You, you skipped over Alex Wells. Hunter Green might be able to do it uh, on the American that, side. I wouldn't be super shocked to see C.D. Pelham do it, and I really wouldn't be super shocked to see Matt Manning do it. Manning, that'd be, that'd be humping up, but I could I mean, still... I've seen, I think I've seen seven from yeah. him as an amateur. Yeah, so, I mean, and by the way, I'm not picking on Alex Wells. It's just that's not Alex Wells' game. If Alex Wells throws 100... Then something's wrong with the gun, um, you know. But uh, but no, I mean it is as we always see here, you know. We always see big time velocity at this game. Um, now, Josh, one last with that. Who do you think is going to throw the hardest though? Uh, I think it is going to be Green. Quite frankly, I think he's going to hump up and give me uh, one hundred two. I would not be surprised if Guzman ties him. But I think Green really wants this stage. I think that's that's going to be the interesting subplot to me is that race between those two guys in particular. You know, last year I think we went into it knowing Michael Kopech was going to be the, the hardest fastball pretty safely. I think this year you've got a real competition. So just one of the fun subplots of the think, Futures yeah. game. Going back. I mean, we had Yadier Roberts last year, but we knew he was 96-99, whereas Kopech will show you 100-101. to 101. I mean, going, going back, Bruce Rondon I think gave us 101 to maybe 102. Uh, a few years ago. I mean, there's always, you know, this is, yeah, I was going to say, I, you've seen. The best I've seen is 104 from Ray Black. And I've gotten 104 from Ray Black as well. Although most guns that day got it at 103. So, and I've gotten Rolls Chapman at 103 when he was in AAA. So what, what's your. Well, I mean, as a fan, I saw Rolls Chapman hit 105 pitching against the Padres okay. at Echo Park. Um, but that counts. since I've taken this job. I uh, saw so Tygo Vieira get 102 in the Cal League. 
So 2016. So we've all seen, you know, we've all seen 102 or better, but uh, but we do have a chance to see that again because, yeah, I, Hunter Green can reach back for our kind of 100 whenever he wants it. Jorge Guzman has had that ability as well. So there are some definitely that that definitely stands out. One of the other things that does stand out about this is um, you look at these rosters. Another thing that that does jump out to me is we haven't talked about like Luis Garcia, who's on the uh, world uh, infield roster. Only player on the roster born in the 2000s. Yep. But either roster. But Luis Garcia just promoted to high class A Potomac, um, which does mean Josh, you know, uh, we need to get you out to Double A Harrisburg because he should. If he's on the Soto plan, he'll be there in a week, and because uh, Josh went up to see Soto in Harrisburg, and. You got to see him for a day. No, that's one of those things that, I mean, I've had some fun moments in my career, but I think I'm, it's going to be right up there with seeing Luis Severino on a backfield like for the first time in the States, is seeing Luis so, uh, Juan Soto's final minor league game, barring any rehabs. And by the way, being able to say, say that you saw Juan Soto play in the minors, I mean, that puts you in a... I know a, some scouts who can't say that. A pretty small group, because the reality of it is, is that we are talking... 122 minor league games, and roughly half of which, almost half of which, was in the Gulf Coast League. And let's be honest, there there were not a whole lot of people who saw him in the Gulf Coast League because there are not a whole lot of people at a Gulf Coast League game other than players, umpires. Although in two weeks I will be. Yes, you so. will. <laughs> players, umpires, and Josh Norris. That's yeah. your goal. Also, Coast wives League. and girlfriends. Yes, that's true. And autograph hounds. And a, and a couple and scouts. Scouts too. You know, coaches but, and rovers galore. Um, but yeah, but so, but no, Garcia's one that's to me notable because this is going to also be kind of a, a coming out party for him. I think Amaya that you brought up is a good one because Amaya is definitely in the middle of a kind of a coming out party this year. Um, who who else to you? Is there anyone else for you guys who kind of is jumps out as a kind of a hey, they're they're prospect. You know, fans, hardcore know who they are, but most even people who follow this relatively closely may not be aware of yet. Well, I have a guy who's actually in some ways a little bit of both, and that's Yoan Lopez. He was a huge signing out of Cuba a few years ago. Uh, Things did not go well. They they put him in double A right away, and he left the team unannounced twice, just got in his car and drove off. Uh, One time was ready to quit baseball. Uh, I remember doing the Diamondbacks midseason list in 2016, and at that time, they were saying, you know, we're not worried about this kid's baseball career. They, you know, we just want to get him the, the help he needs. He was not in a good place mentally. Uh, it's a lot going on. The Diamondbacks blew, you know, the two years of their through their uh, pool, uh, cost them tears of their national signings. I mean, Yoan Lopez was, in essence, a quote-unquote bust. And then he's come back, you know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Comes back last year in the Visalia bullpen under the radar. No one really knows he's there. And he was just able to be himself. He was no longer the guy everyone was watching. He wasn't a starter. He wasn't in the news. And you saw him when he didn't have the pressure on him. He just come out and throw 98-99. The stuff was there. He was loose. He was having fun. And now we've seen him go up to double-A this year, have some more success. And I think it's, you know, it's tough because we put so much pressure on these kids sometimes. You know, 22 and 23-year-old is still a kid. And now he's 25. He's back just playing baseball again. And we've seen success. So I think it's really cool to see him get to this point where he's able to be in the Futures game. And now I'm going to be just curious to see, you know, what he can do here. If he can use this as a springboard of, hey, 
I'm back, remember me, and, and go from there. Anyone for you? I mean, it's the same, same idea, I guess. Um, you're asking me. Luis Basabe might be a name. Oh, yeah. That's like the one that. I was going to. Yeah. I could do this for a while, but yeah, he's one I wanted to talk about. Yeah, he's um, an interesting kind of guy. Like He was a big name with the Red Sox, and then Dave Dombrowski came along and traded every big name they had to his credit. They got some really nice stuff back for them. Uh, his performance last year was a little bit muted by a knee injury that finally required surgery in August. But now you talk to people, and he's gotten a little bit bigger, and he's got a little more physical, and those tools are still there. He's still a uh, well above average runner, a defender in center field. You can see pop. You can see all five tools from this guy, and you can understand why. I mean, he wasn't the headliner in that deal. Moncada and Kopech were, but he was a nice third piece, and in a lot of other deals, he might have been a second or a first piece. Which, by the way, White Sox outfield depth in the minors is... Um, it's silly. Absurd. It's stupid. It's obscene. Um, Obviously, it, Eloy is the headliner. Right. He's Also, uh, White Sox... Outfield DL is really good right now. Unfortunately, too. that is also true. Yes, but he and Luis Robert are both on the DL. Yeah, but you got those two. You have again, but then it. You have Blake Rutherford. You have the. You have Michael Aldolfo, who you know. He's if, not really. He's not on the outfield right now, but that's where he's going to play. But then you go, you know, you go bigger picture, long term, and you say, you know, also like the complementary pieces. Basabe maybe a fourth outfielder. Joel Booker has been has had a really good year. He's earned a promotion. Yeah, great story with Joel Booker. I mean, he's he made the swing changes. He unlocked his raw tools, and those and, tools were pretty loud. Yeah, and he's starting to turn it on. He did it in the Carolina League. He's doing it in the Southern League. Um, it's a nice little story for a guy who wasn't really talked about uh, last year because of all the star power. So here's a question I want to ask you guys because I think one of the most fun things is while we do do this for a living, there's always guys we never get a chance to see, just haven't seen for whatever reason. Who's a guy on these rosters that you have never seen that you are particularly excited to get a look at? You go first. I'll, I'll jump in. When you, Josh already gave my answer, which is Lizardo, because I've never come across Lizardo. Again, mainly pitches out in the, on the West Coast um, and was hurt. So I, Lizardo definitely jumps out for me. Uh, I Actually, I did a count like, of our preseason top 100 the Futures game will get me, I think, six guys I haven't seen before, which will get me to 80 of our preseason top 100. I think you're still a little bit ahead of me, Josh, and I don't, Probably. I haven't heard your count, Kyle, but um. I, I'm as, you know, so, but Luzardo's definitely one. Uh, Luis Garcia is another. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who I have and haven't seen. Um, I can go ahead while you think. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think for me, Andres Jimenez of the Mets is one guy, just because this was someone who was highly ranked in our international rankings put together by uh, the incomparable Ben Badler. He moves up to low A, performs really well at a young age, moves up to high A. He's hitting in the Florida State League, and no one hits in the Florida State League, let alone teenagers. Uh, middle, of the, middle of the diamond player. He's just one of those guys who, when you look at just they're young, they're successful. Like it kind of checks a lot of boxes. So I'm curious to really see him for the first time in person, just what he can do, particularly in the batter's box. I mean, Lazardo was my guy. Uh, I haven't seen him outside of him translating for me at one point. Um, K. Bear Ruiz comes mm -hmm. to mind. Uh, that guy gets a lot of rave reviews as a, uh, a catcher with the ability to do to make impact on both sides of the right. ball. Really could be a star down the road. Absolutely. Um, that's one guy. Uh, Jesus Sanchez, I don't think I've ever seen. And that'll be a nice one to see. Again. That'll be a very nice one to see. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, if you're if you're saying who are the best bats at this, like just pure hitter, you know, hit, hitting power. Now, ideally, Jesus Sanchez is uh, 
like when we talk about him versus they were both him and Soto were in the GCL together. The difference between the two, both of them really advanced hitters, uh, but Soto can draw a walk, you know, pretty much out of anybody, whereas Jesus Sanchez can swing through ball four to put the ball in play against about anybody because that's his approach. But, so it's like it's like Zach Collins versus Williams as Didier. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. That's a that's a good. Uh, by the way, okay, I'm taking a slight detour here for a second. You might want to leave the room. Yeah, for a while, you know, pal. This, but. We have to just interject on the podcast here because we haven't podcasted together since the miraculous moment happened. Since so Williams rose from the minors to become the hero that America needs in these trying times. To become Williams Estadio, Estadio Big Leaguer. And not only that, but Williams Estadio Big League second baseman, third baseman, left fielder, center fielder, not catcher. Williams Estadio hitter of two-run triples on which he gets to stand up rather than slide. So we are very excited because both of us have been uh, Big Williams fans for, I, again, you bring yours goes further back than I mine did because I believe you saw him when he was. A, I might have seen him before B.A. I mean, it's been yeah. a while since I've seen but that sucker. For me, it was when he was in Greensboro. But, again, he's, he's just fascinating because – I, I've never, I still, I don't, I've never seen another prospect like him. No, people talk about special bat to ball, preternatural bat to ball. This is the definition that you could throw a marble up to home plate and he could make contact. And he'd foul it off. He and then you say, give me marble. another one. Okay. Lose that marble in the grass and get another no, one. No, give me another one. And again, like seeing guys try to strike him out and everyone on both teams going, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And also the same thing. So you'd see if, if Estadio got to two strikes, everyone, would be in the, everyone who knew would be watching going, is this going to actually happen? Same way if we got to three balls because it's like, because walking at Williams Estadio is almost as hard as striking him out. Like, I feel like th- there was an at-bat last week that you mentioned uh, with Juan Soto where he got to 0-2 and walked. And I feel like it would be a different kind of phenomenon with Williams. You'd get to 0-2 and you'd see how long he could stay at 0-2. That man will not take a ball. I, again, like we'd have to change the game, but if if every if there were five Williams Estadios in a lineup, and you could just say, okay, we're going to keep fouling balls off. We don't want to face Justin Verlander. We're just going to keep fouling balls off till we work him up to 120 pitches. That's kind of the Williams Estadio way. To the crowd out there who is tired of walks, who is tired of strikeouts, who is tired of home runs, Williams Estadio <laughs> is your man. He will not walk. He will not strike out, and he will not hit a ball out of the ballpark. So this is the player you want to see. This is the player you've been craving on Twitter. You've been harassing all of the superstars of this game who do the other three. Sit down, watch a Twins game, and drool. <laughs> yes, we had to have a little Williams Estadio moment. Um, just to kind of let people know, so the Futures game, in case you don't know, uh, is next Sunday. This is a We're recording this on Friday the 6th. Uh, it'll be... So we're talking about the, uh, so that'll be the 15th, uh, July 15th, D.C. National Field. Um, as it always is, it'll be followed by the All-Star Celebrity Softball Game, which always gets the We'll have a complete play-by-play, sidebar, everything you can want on, uh, on uh, I mean, BA.com. Got to see Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx's final stat line, we'll have it. I mean, if they, they're going to show that on TV, I will, we, I saw televised cornhole the other day so this is on espn yes yes the cornhole championship so with announcers and everything so but we'll have so we'll also have on saturdays we do we'll have the baseball america prospect pad so we'll 
We invite all 50 prospects who are in the game on Sunday. We'll sit down and uh, do interviews with all of them there, which is always a fun thing. Like, I will not forget the moment last year where it's like you look around and you go, okay, so Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna, Eloy Jimenez, and Rafael Devers just walked into the uh, the prospect pad. That's a cool moment. You know? uh, the, the best one still, I think, is at the end where the first one was winding down where Jim Tomei just wandered in like, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Tomei wandered in. Wandered in. I, I love Clint Frazier from that one where basically Clint Frazier, we, re, we very quickly realized that Clint Frazier could work at Baseball America and probably do our jobs better than us because he pays attention to these things. My, my favorite was like, okay, you're, I think he's 19 at the time. You've got seven figures in your bank account. You're in San Diego and you leave the prospect pad and think, no, the world might be my oyster, but I want to be at the prospect pad. <laughs> you know, again, so we're looking forward to that. Um, we will have, obviously, a ton of coverage of the Futures game. It's it's one of the highlights of the year for us. I know that Josh has the Arizona Fall League and a special, you know, but... It's like three Futures games a day. But but the Futures game is one where I... I it's funny, I actually do look back. I, I, you know, I look back on my Google Photos and it's like, oh, remember... Gregory Polanco and all, you know, from that game. Or remember, uh, you know, I, I mean, again, I remember Carlos Correa matching Miguel Sano and everyone else swing for swing and power uh, in Shea and going, whoa. That's the I day mean, you and I met? That is. Um, you say Shea, do you mean City Field? City Field, or? sorry, okay. not Shea. City Field. It's City Field. Or, um, you know, it, again, uh, Joey Gallo hitting the truck in uh, Minneapolis, which was insanity. Like his BP there, and then Chris Bryant in the game going, you know, I don't do any of that in BP, but I'll do better in the game because that's what Chris Bryant does, you know. So, again, it's, it is always, there's always going to be moments. It's always something where it ends and it's hard not to go, oh, we've got a year to wait for another one of these. I mean, again, that's, that's why we do what we do. And we assume if you're listening to this, that's why you listen to what you're listening to because it is. It's one of the greatest days of the year if you're a prospect fan. And, for that reason, uh, I cannot wait for a week and, uh, you know, this time next week. Nine days. Yep, this time next week. Be heading up to uh, get ready for it. So, uh, you, four. Yeah, you, go ahead. you can catch me before then at the Eastern League All-Star Game. Yep. Uh, I'm going up on Monday. I'll probably, depending on how tired I am, go to Staten Island that night because it's, A, I haven't seen a New York Penn League game, but it's about wait. an hour. So um, the Eastern League game's at what time? It's a different day. Okay, so you're not, not so not that day. No, so no. Uh, I, I was have, like, how are you doubling up that day? I have a Staten Island game on the 9th. It's the 25th anniversary of Wu-Tang celebration. Oh, that, well and, you well and, done. And then the Eastern League Homer Derby the next night, the Eastern League All-Star game the next night, uh, then either another Staten Island game or a Trenton game, then down to D.C., all that, then the Florida State League GCL for a week. So I'll be getting a lot of baseball the next two weeks. I've got that coming up, uh, Under Armour All-American game, uh, hopefully getting out to the Texas Scouts Association All-Star game. And then uh, I think you're going to be, you know, you've, you're going to be, you've got actually a week off for a long time. Which is yeah, good. yeah. My, uh, my crazy travel schedule was before this, doing all the California League uh, All-Star game stuff, followed by a whole bunch of other trips out to Atlanta, and then we've got D.C., and then uh, we'll have Hall of Fame coverage. But uh, in the meantime, yeah. uh, it's, it's fun time. Middle summer, baseball's going, and that's our, well, our prime time. And again, one of the fun things we're doing right now, just to kind of promo it again, is we are updating our top 10s. We will have updated top 10s for all 30 teams coming up. And that is fun. Like, that is fun. 
we're digging in, talking to a lot of scouts, trying to get both in-house and obviously out-of-house sources and all these teams. And so, again, it, it's always like it's putting the puzzle together. It's, it's a little bit of everything because obviously you do not get universal agreement on this. You can get universal agreement on very few things. One of those is Juan Soto's really, really good. Um, but beyond that, with a lot of the prospects, you hear good, you hear bad, and you have to figure out how to rank them. And so that's the fun thing of what we get to do. So, you know, again, if you subscribe, thank you for that. If you don't, go to BaseballAmerica.com and you can join us. You can become a subscriber, get all this great content. For Josh Norris and Kyle Glazer, I'm J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody. Bye.